Amen. Well, I want to greet everyone. Welcome to church, everyone, where we gather together. Welcome everyone who's online. It's good to see you as well. Well, I can't see you. I hope it's good to see me. I don't know. Anyway, hope you've had a great week and ready to start another fantastic week. We're heading into Christmas. Christmas has come early. Love worshipping Him. I want to encourage you, when you're in the car, why don't you put on a couple of carols and start belting out. It's like public worship without any cringe. It's great. Just let it go, mate. Holy, holy and all that sort of stuff. Just let it go. Get your workplace, approach your boss, or if you're the boss, get some carols on, man, about how God Jesus is, that He came to save the world, peace, grace, all that sort of stuff. It's wonderful. Amen. God bless you. Please take a seat. Greet someone as you're taking a seat. Thank you, musicians and singers. Wonderful, wonderful. Cool. Hey, some exciting stuff. Um, right now, our, our mountains congregation, our Penrith congregation, some of you are here. It's great to see you all. Um, we haven't had a venue to actually meet in those places, so we've been live streaming, of course, in homes and here. But uh, mountains next week, we actually have a venue at Glenbrook Baptist Church. Isn't that cool? Our Baptist brothers and sisters said, come on in. And, um, but it's going to be in the afternoon. Just keep a word out. I'm not quite sure of the time um, the Judah has set up there, but um, just keep an ear to the ground on that for next week. You're going to have your own worship service in the mountains. It's going to be fantastic. Do not miss that. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm so excited today because I feel like I've got a prophetic word for our church. This is one of those words where the Lord woke me at 2 a.m. And, um, and it wasn't, you know, nature calling. It was God calling. And um, he just began to show me something. I thought, wow. And when he does that, I get excited because I feel like this word's, today's not a teaching. I don't want to bring a teaching of his word. I believe I'm bringing the prophetic word of the Lord to you today. Is that cool? And um, we started this year, 2021, with great expectation. And I've got to tell you, I'm going to start 2022 with more expectation than I started this year with because it's been a unique year, no doubt about it. But we started with this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. This is the, the scripture I believe the Lord gave me for our church for this year. <clears throat> so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. So I named this year for Strong Nation Church, All Things Are New. Well, what a year it's been. After 2020, terrible year that was, we thought let's launch into this new year and it was a very different sort of year to what I thought it would be. But I believe that what the Lord is doing is very significant because I think he's forming something new in us. You know, someone said those who um, come through um, hard times become much stronger. And I believe that's what the Lord is doing. He's forming a very strong church right now. Because I, I feel like he's got a job for us to do. And, you know, we are closer to the end times than any other church. Do you know that? In history. We're the ones who are closest, obviously. But I, I start looking around the world and I start reading some times which Jesus said, do it. Look at the times. And um, I can't help but think that it's not far away. I can't help but think this is the hour of the church. I really do. The Lord is doing something new and I believe he's starting it in the body of the church, making it stronger and stronger for his new purpose. He's starting it now. I believe he is. This year we started with Behold All Things Are New and then we had some series through the year and um, one of the things God put on my heart was this series we preached on this new kingdom that God had created. You see, when Jesus came, he didn't come just to save mankind from sin, which he did do that. Sin and shame has been defeated, right? He came to establish a kingdom. And simply that kingdom is defined by two words, Jesus rules. Wherever Jesus rules, that's his kingdom. And um, we have been invited into his kingdom. Jesus actually said, when you're born again, you enter his kingdom. You know, if, unless you're born again, you can't enter it, he says. And we come into his kingdom and we're part of his kingdom and we get to walk in that kingdom. 
which is really cool. He's our king, he's our Lord. But the beautiful thing about that kingdom, there are so many things in it which are in favour of his church, those who are in the kingdom. For instance, there is incredible favour on those who walk in his kingdom. Incredible blessing. There's peace and joy that the world can't understand that you find in that kingdom. And I encourage every believer to walk in that kingdom every day. I'm not convinced we all do. I'm not convinced I do. I don't really draw on and walk in that kingdom every day like I think I should. And I'm learning to every day to walk in that kingdom more because that's where the peace I really want in my life is. It's in his kingdom. Under Jesus' rulership. I wish I lived under his rulership every day. But I think it's a daily decision to come and walk in that. Paul actually says in Galatians chapter 5, he says, if you live according to the flesh, you can't inherit the kingdom. That's what he says. You can't. In other words, that joy, that peace, that favour that you seek, if you're living in the flesh, you can't inherit that. But the contrary to that is, when you begin to walk in the spirit, wow, all the treasures of the kingdom you inherit. Walking in the spirit, I believe, is allowing Jesus to be Lord and following what his spirit leads you in. That's what I think it is. Anyway, you can have a look at those, um, those sermons if you like. Just get online, they're great. But not long after that, a few weeks ago, I felt the Lord said, okay, I want you to change the, the series. And I started this series, This New Church, This New Me. This new kingdom, now it's this new church, this new me. And I felt like the Lord really wanted us to bring it personal. Make it personal. See, the kingdom of God with no people in it is not really a kingdom, is it? It's the people in it that actually make it available to those who want to come in or who will come in. It's not just a, the kingdom's not just a stagnant entity, it's a living being. And that's his church. And that's this church that God is preparing, that God loves, that God dwells in amongst. But it's more than just the gathering of the people, it's the individual believer. This new church, this new me. What does God wanna do through me? What does God wanna work through me? You see, he wants his kingdom to be full of priests. It was the promise given to Moses right at the beginning. I will make a kingdom of priests with this whole new thing. We are all, we're not called just to be members of a church. We're not called just to be Christians. We're priests. We carry his presence. We are advocates for those who don't know him. We are advocates to God for them. And we are advocates for them to God. That's what we're called to be. We are priests. We carry the power of God. This new church, this new me is about a powerful being. And it really highlights the purpose of why the church was brought into place. And in this time in which we live, these years, this year that we've been living, I feel this unction in my heart that God wants to activate that power more than he ever has before. I feel like he's got the church on a slingshot, pulled back and I feel the tension ready to go. I sense it. And I thought, man, God, what are you doing right now? And that's when this 2 a.m. interruption came. You see, God is setting us up. I believe he's the great chess player and he moves his pieces around and he gets them ready for the ultimate checkmate. And where are his pieces? Where are the ones he's got positioned? And he will position you. And I found this, it's not always comfortable. It's not always making me happy, but there's always joy in it. I'm not always pleased with where God, I find myself with God, where he places me, but there's great, great purpose to it. And I'll tell you, as a believer, has little to do with how I feel about it and more to do with what he feels about it. Why? Because Jesus rules, right? I'm in his kingdom. I'm not in Rick's kingdom. I'm in his kingdom. I want to walk in his kingdom. I don't want to walk in Rick's kingdom. I want to walk in his kingdom. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's fantastic. But every time it's beneficial for the greater purpose and I feel right now the Lord is setting us up, Strong Nation Church, for his purposes like never before. So I wanna share with you today this word that I think he's wanting to 
launch something in us. He led me to Psalm 110. I'll read this and you'll find the words of this are very familiar. Well, it's in 110, Psalm 110, the first three verses of that. says this, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Sounds pretty poetic, doesn't it? It's a Psalm of David, King David, around about a thousand years before Jesus arrived on planet Earth. And uh, David began to prophesy. And this is a prophecy of, it's, it's amazing. I think it's the moment, you think, the verse one, the Lord said to my Lord. In other words, the Father said to the Son. That's what it is. The Father God said to the Son Jesus, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So think of the, the span in time. This is the moment after Jesus had died and risen and then ascended to heaven. And this is the moment where he arrives and the Father says, son, well done, take a seat and watch what I'm about to do. You know, Jesus is in heaven right now. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. The Holy Spirit is with us, the third part of the Trinity, he's with us, which is really exciting. But Jesus is there right now and he's prophesying this moment, son, take the seat. I'm gonna make your enemies your footstool. The enemies, principalities and powers, the Satan, the adversary, the one who, who traps us in sin and allowed sin to enter the world. And, and, that, and sin is our enemy. And God here is saying, son, you're sitting here, what I'm about to do, right to the very end, aha, your enemies are gonna be made your footstool. The victory that we just sung about, that's what he's talking about right there. Verse two, and the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. So how's he gonna rule in the midst of his enemies? He's gonna send something out from Zion. What is it? Well, seven weeks after the resurrection, in Zion or Jerusalem, Mount Zion, Jerusalem, right there where it all happened, this amazing thing happened, where Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity said, I'm arriving people, here I come. And he filled his church the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment. He gave the church something hugely significant and that is Him. God came not to just be around us, not to just lead us, but to live in us. Just that will blow your mind when you think about that. The God of the universe wants to live in you and empower you with all the same power that was in Jesus Christ Himself. I think if the church could just realise that, if we could just realise that moment that I've got that same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, Susan. And you know it, you walk in it. The same spirit, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming into Zion, Jerusalem. That's where it all happened, right? But then he said, I'll send it out. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength. The rod, that's us, we're the rod. The rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Puts it in context when you realise what it is, doesn't it? I'm gonna empower my church and I'm gonna send it out so that it would rule in the midst of the enemies. I wanna tell you right now, there is an enemy right now in our world that wants to bring you down because he hates your guts. Him and his cronies, the principalities and powers, Paul talks about them. Spiritual beings. If you don't think the spiritual world's real, you don't understand it is real. It is very real. But here's the thing, they are more scared of you than you are of them. Their knee has to bow to the spirit that's in you. God himself. And I think that's what it's saying here, the, the empowerment of the church. Go out amongst them. You've got a purpose, church. I wanna send you out. And then he says this, verse three, your people, who's his people? 
the church. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness, for the womb in the morning of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. Ah, I love that. The beauties of holiness. The beauties of holiness. I love it. What does it mean? Not only do you have power, you are set aside. You are holy. Holy means to be set aside for something special. Holy day, a special day, right? Holidays. Everyone's thinking holidays right now, eh? You're set aside. He, he's made you, and he talks about the Jew. It's a beautiful thing to see, the glistening of the Jew. The Jew of your youth, it's vibrant. This church is not something that goes defeated and trying to sneak around corners and hope no one gets too offended. No, 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 no. There's this bold, the righteous are as bold as lions. You could also say the holy are as bold as lions. And they walk with power and it is so attractive. They glisten like the Jew and the youthfulness in them is vibrant. That's what he's saying here. Wow, what a beautiful description of the church. The beauties of holiness. I love that. Maybe we should, imagine calling the church the beauties of holiness. That would be pretty cool. I want to talk about the scripture a little bit deeper though. This new church, this new me and this new you. What does it mean for us? Why this time? Why is God prompting this in my heart right now? Because I think this is a prophecy for us right now. It's something that God wants to do with Strong Nation Church and maybe other churches. But I feel like the Lord is about to fan into flame something huge. Amen? You've gone very quiet. I'm taking that as a good thing. You see, the world, our world, has been and is still going through a very difficult time. In fact, in my lifetime, I've not seen a time so dark as what this is. I've not seen a time when people are so gripped with fear. That can't be a good thing. I've not seen people, you know, with hearts failing so much as what I see now. People paralysed through anxieties and, and oppression and it should not happen, but it is. We're living in a dark world. I feel like there's a trigger that God wants to pull in his church saying, okay, what I talked about in, Proverbs, in, in Psalm 110, verses one to three, and this is what he's sharing with me. It's time to activate that even more. This is your moment, Strong Nation Church. And today I wanna to explain to you what he spoke to me. You see, I think he's asking us to lead. Now, the word lead can sort of have a bit of a taint on it these days, because I think leadership has been abused in many cases, authoritarianism. I don't think the church leadership should be authoritarian, authoritarian, shouldn't have authority like that. You see, Jesus showed how to lead by washing people's feet. He showed how to lead by showing grace and love and encouraging one another. That's how he showed how to lead. God's kingdom, right? Jesus' kingdom. It's not like the world's kingdom. It's upside down to the world's kingdom. And I feel like that God is asking us to take the lead in this. I feel like God is asking his church to rise up and say, do you know what? It feels against the tide, but we're going to walk this. We're going to do this. Someone has to do it. Someone has to rise up. It's got to be his church right now in this difficult time. And it's not just his church as a... As a collective, it's his church as in individuals. Each one of us as kingdoms, the priests of the kingdom. Each one of us as people who are ordained and powered by him. It is the calling of that. See, when I read this passage of scripture, there's three main things, three main things that actually came to mind. And I feel like I wanna share with you. The first thing is, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of youth. This thing about holiness is very interesting. I used to think my job was to make myself holy. For years I tried doing that. I've got to try and make myself holy, right? I've got to behave better. I've got to have a better attitude about that. I've got to be nice to people. And I've got to tell you, I fell short on that quite often. Even when I got it right, I was really, really proud about it. Lost my holiness right there. The holiness he's talking about now is not trying to be good. Yeah. It's the holiness of Jesus Christ himself yeah. that comes on us and that's beautiful. Yeah. It doesn't matter, I am holy not because I do right things, I'm holy because I'm his. Yeah. 
Remember the story of the prodigal son? I think I mentioned it last week or the week before. The prodigal son. He went and did what was wrong, feeding pigs. A Jewish boy feeding pigs is not a good thing. He came back with that muck all over him and what's the first thing the father does? Hugs him, kisses him, and then he puts his robe on him. Give my robe, give my robe. Why? Holiness covers. His holiness covers my muck. Now, does that mean I go on sinning and just being a goose? No, of course not. I'd trash my life if I was doing that. But don't ever think that you being good is enough because you'll never be good enough, nor will I. And Christianity is not about being good. It's about a God who is good, a God who is holy, and He wants you to come and grab His coat and whack it on, put it on. Look at my holiness, it's His. You've got to understand the power that that puts in your life and people see it. The beauties of holiness. That's what the beauties is. Wow, how beautiful is that? What is it about your life? How come you walk so tall and strong and, and, and confident? Why? Because it's not my holiness. It's His. That's what I believe God's talking about here. This new church gets this, understands it. Remember Jesus actually said about the, the being clothed in righteousness. This is what it's talking about. Talking about that wedding garment. He said there's gonna be a great feast, a great wedding, but only those who have that garment can come in. Only, see, I, take, I translate that as this. When you're wearing the holiness, you're welcome into the kingdom. You, the kingdom's all yours. Come to the breakfast. But when I'm trying to wear my outfit, I can't get in. You'll never get into God's kingdom through your own garments. Don't even try. He gave you his coat. I haven't checked this out, but I want to do a study on Joseph Technicolor dream coat. I'm just wondering whether that might be a, a great allegory for God's holiness. Probably is. Let's not go there. It glistens like Jew. We look good in the world, in a world that's lost its hopelessness right now. We have hope in a world that's lost its hope. We have direction. We have what God leading us and guiding us because we've got this robe of righteousness on. We have that in a world that doesn't know what's next. Maybe we could bring incredible hope to a world if we begin to walk in His righteousness, in His holiness, just putting it on. Some of you aren't aware of it, but you put on His robe today when you began to worship Him. Some of you aren't really fully conscious of it, but the more you centre in on him, the more he drapes his robe over you. Robe over you. Oh, but Rick, you, this week you have no idea what I did. Doesn't matter. I can't see it because of the robe. Yeah. It covers it all. Yeah? yeah. I've noticed that out of this. I believe there's a, a time coming when you're going to have people come to your life as you live this life and say, I want what you've got, what is that? And you might think, oh, but Rick, my life's messed up, my life's doing this, I've just got this terrible time right now. That's okay, it's not your righteousness, it's not your holiness. It's not your togetherness, it's His. Walk in it, put it on. Great practice for you every morning is when you get up, get dressed, put on an extra robe as well and say, Lord, I'm putting on your holiness today. I'm not condemned, I'm not shameful, He died for all my shame. He died for it all. And I'm gonna walk as a child of God today. That's the robe of righteousness. That's the beauties of holiness. The second thing I noticed about this was this in verse two. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion to rule in the midst of his enemies. You see, as I explained, I believe that's Pentecost. He's launching his church, he established his church at that point. He empowered it and he gave it a message. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus said, and you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. I'm pretty sure Australia is the ends of the earth from there. You see, it wasn't just, hey, I speak in tongues. Who stole the keys to my Honda? It's not just that. 
What it is, is an empowerment for a purpose because you're the messenger. We, the church, carry the greatest message of all time and the whole world's gonna be singing about it. The whole Western world anyway. It's gonna be singing about this great message in the next few weeks. Do you know that's the message you carry with you every day? Sent out from Zion? Romans 10, Paul's quoting, I think it's a psalm, might be a proverb, sorry. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are they? You know, the they, how beautiful are they who, who's, who oh, the feet of those who bring good news? You know, the those? It's his church. It's the messengers. It's the power of the Holy Spirit within you. So we have a message to share. And I'm not quite sure many Christians share the message. But it's the greatest message of all time. Can you imagine if the church, every single member, this new church, this new me, once a week would just share a great message. God loves you, has amazing plans for your life and he wants you to be saved. That'd be pretty powerful, don't you think? But not only that, he's given you his power of miracles. Just read the gifts of the Holy Spirit and it gives you a, a list of what the gifts could look like, the power of God could look like. Where we could see breakthrough in people's lives just by praying for them. Where we can see you know, people healed. I remember once as a young man in youth group, we used to do a lot of things with the um, cam, um, Campbelltown Youth Group, we used to combine a lot and have a great night. So one of them came with his testimony. This guy was a Christian for about two weeks and he got up and he shared a testimony. He's saying, do you know what? I read that we can pray for the sick and they'll be healed. And we're out street witnessing. We did a lot of that in those days. And um, he said, I saw someone with a, a cast on their arm. So I went up, said, do you know what? Jesus can heal you. So he laid hands on him. Okay. God's healed you, he says, two-week-old two, two Christian. Let's cut the cast off. And they did. And guess what? It was healed. I remember, I was got my, my jaw. Uh, wow, really? What faith? You know, sometimes the new believers have a little bit more faith than the old believers. Do we understand the power that's in us? The word that you can speak into someone's life and it changes their lives? Sometimes it's just encouragement and just shines light into dark places. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to move in your life. You're not only a carrier of a message, you're the carrier of the power of God, the miraculous. I wonder what God wants to bring into your world where you can do what Jesus did and say, hey, you're fearful, can I pray with you? Maybe that fear might just go. Yeah? God wants to see that power moved and he chose his church to do that. So the beauties of holiness, but also the fact that we were sent out, empowered. The third thing I notice is this. Makes the observation, it says, your people shall be willing in the day of your power. That word willing could easily be translated in the, in the Hebrew as a volunteer. In other words, it's an action. It's not just a heart thing, feeling. It's an action. I'm actually doing something about it. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. You know, this is an army already on the ground, ready to go, chomping at the bit. I remember, I think it was the Gulf War in the 90s. I, I remember watching an interview with some soldiers who were being deployed. And they were so keen. I'm sitting there, are you crazy? No, no, they're not crazy. They're ready. I wouldn't go there in, a, in a, I wouldn't go there at all. They're going to go into battle into an unknown place, take on an unknown enemy. You don't know what they've got, but they're so keen. They're, and they said in American accent as they do, I'm just so ready. Bring it on. I just, it's an army that's ready. And that's what he's talking about here. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. When's the day of his power? I believe it's now. I believe it's when he empowered his church. 
It's a church looking for opportunities. It's a church that serves its community. It's a church that shines light. It's a church that speaks life on every occasion it can. And I believe God is wanting to raise this army and say, hey, come on, are you ready? Are you ready to go? Are you willing? Strong nation, are we ready? On this dark time, it would be so easy for us to just say, it's time to settle, it's time to resettle, it's time to just, to, 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 to just comfort. No, 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 we have the comforter. His name's Holy Spirit. And I think it's a time right now for the church to say, hey, I'm ready, God, what do you got for me? Because the world needs someone to take the lead. Might not be easy. It probably will be hard. But the local church is the hope of the world. Why did God plant this church here? Mountains, Penrith, Cambodia. Why did God do that? Because it's the hope of the world. He sent them out. Are they ready? Are they ready to go? You know, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see the harvest. It's white. It's ready to be taken. He said, lift up your eyes. I thought about that phrase. Do you know, I've picked up in sport how important your eyes are. Andrew used to be a PE teacher. How important are your eyes in sport? They're everything. In cricket, I think I was a lot better than I actually was. But one thing I did learn is when you're batting, if your eyes aren't right, you're not going to play well. In golf, your eyes must be where they need to be. In fact, everything follows your eyes. Where your eyes are looking, nine out of 10 times, that's where it's gonna go. If your eyes aren't in the right position, you're gonna miss it. It's important in sport. I suggest it's important in life. Where are your eyes? Jesus said, lift them up and see the harvest. Right now, we've got a church, I'm not quite sure, throughout the world, is it looking at the harvest? I say, Strong Nation Church, let's lift up our eyes and have a look because our eyes will determine where we go. Try and walk without going where your eyes are looking. Try that. Don't do it around me. Can we lift up our eyes and see? Never before have I seen the general public in so much need. Just lift up your eyes. Jesus' response, I think, would be saying, the harvest is white. It's ready to be picked. It's out there. I just need workers, willing workers. Those who are saying, I'll volunteer this. Trust me, we're not the church to say, hey, I need you to volunteer and come and just do stuff here. We're not like that. Remember someone said, are you just trying to get people into your church? I said, well, actually, I'm the pastor who's trying to get people out of it. Because I don't think the volunteer, the willingness is about how good you can do at Sunday service. I don't think it's that. I think it's what happens between the services. I think it's what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's your day off. It's what the willingness in our society. You have a look, read through Acts. Most of the miracles were done in the marketplace. Not in the temple. They were done in the streets. They were done around people's lives where they were just living in homes. That's where the Holy Spirit is. But it will only happen when the willing are really ready to do it. You know, this uh, prophecy made me think of us as a church and as individuals. I thought to myself, why has God put this on my heart right now? Well, obviously, the crisis the world's in needs needs someone to take the lead. It's a bit more than that. I went to Revelation chapter 12. Interesting passage, Revelation. I don't like preaching too much out of Revelation. I don't understand a lot of it. I'm so grateful it says, blessed are those who read it, not those who understand it. You know? But Revelation chapter 12 is very interesting. It talks about the devil, the accuser, coming to accuse his people. And it's talking about the end times. It's talking about you know, what happens in the end. Remember, Revelations is, it mentions about crowds of people, every tribe, nation and tongue, more than can be counted, gathering, worshipping God. And it's a glimpse. In fact, Pastor Jack, my pastor, said many years ago, he said, Revelations is our future recorded as history. And it is. It's our future. It's the end game. 
It's what's going to happen in the end. It's just written down like history as if it's already happened. In other words, it's a fait accompli. It's going to happen. It gets done. The job gets done. People from all over the world, in every tribe, nation, tongue, they're all everywhere, more than you can see, worshipping God. It gets done. Question is, who did it? Who did it? Revelation chapter 12 talks about that, that time when it's done. The, uh, the oppressor's gone, he's dealt with. It says this in verse 11. And they overcame. Who's they? Question, who's they? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even to death. They, who are they? I believe it's the church. This new church. I believe it's me. I believe it's you. This new me, this new you. I believe it's the church who said, it's time for someone to take the lead. Let's do this. They overcame him. They overcame the oppressor, the accuser of the saints. They overcame the hard times, the oppression that he was trying to bring. They overcame it. How did they do it? By the blood of the lamb. Holiness. We were created holy. The beauties of holiness are on our lives. He did that. He poured it out on us. And I thank God for the blood of the Lamb. And we're going to share communion soon. If you're at home, grab some communion. We've got our communion here. The blood of the Lamb made us holy. And it overcame so much. And at the last days, it was so significant in the lives of those who overcame. That's how they overcame the evil one. The principalities and powers. The darkness that was put on the earth. How did they overcome? Blood of the Lamb. And then it wasn't just the blood of the Lamb, it was the word of their testimony. What's the word of their testimony? The message, the power. Oh, I went and prayed for this guy and he was sick and the doctors gave him no hope, but he rose up again. There's a testimony. Oh, this person, they were oppressed, they were depressed. And when we prayed together, God shone a light inside of him and he lit up inside. That's a testimony. I shared this person who felt lost about the beautiful saving grace of Jesus Christ and all of a sudden hope went into his life realising that he could be saved and that God could accept him. That's a testimony. Wow. We overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb, but also those who got sent out with the power of God in their lives. But it doesn't finish there. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I love that. Doesn't stop there. They did not live their they did not love their lives even to death. These are the ones who engaged themselves. These are the ones who said, hey, you know what? Someone's got to do this. You know, power in the hands of the idol is not power. Do you understand that? Power in the hands of the idol, it's not power. It's only when it's activated, it's only when it's engaged that the power takes place. And God has empowered you. And He's saying here, those who did not love their lives, even to death, they overcame. You know, we live in the Western world. We live in a very good world. I don't think there's ever been a more comfortable generation than our generation. The comforts we have. Very rarely do you find a room in public anymore which is not air conditioned. Have you noticed that? In fact, if they're not air conditioned, no one's going. Although this December you could. Pretty cold. I want my summer back. I've been looking forward to summer all year. We get comfortable and it's almost as if that conditions us that we don't like it when it's uncomfortable. Well, these people, they didn't love their lives even to the point of death. It wasn't that important to them. What was important was that the people got the message and you needed to activate it that the power of God would get moved out there. That's what was important to these people. 
You know, I heard Brian Houston say this once and I thought, wow, that's powerful. He said, the opposite to love is not hate. Seems like it is, but it's not. In fact, if you love something, you must hate something because they're together, they're congruent. The opposite to love is actually indifference, not caring, not doing anything about it. That's the opposite to love. Love activates you. Love says, you know what? I'll be uncomfortable for those I love. I'll, I'll, I'll rip in because they're important to me. That's love. Doesn't say that God so loved the world because He hated something. No, 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 no. God so loved the world that He gave. Love's an action. I started thinking about these people and mate, I can't wait to talk with these people in heaven. It'd be great. But then I thought, but what if it's us? Someone gets it done. They talk, who is this person, John? Who are they writing about? Is it us? Is it a church that said, hey, I'll take the lead. I'll do this. Yes, I love my comforts, it's great, but they will not stop me from going forward. God has put a fire in me and I want Him to blow on it. I want it to spread like wildfire. Are we that church? Are we the ones? I feel like He wants us to be. I'm not talking about making church better. What I'm talking about is seeing a church sent out into their worlds, workplaces, netball teams, shopping centres, friendship hubs, wherever God leads you, this fire, spark, God goes on that spark and it begins to blaze because they're willing. John Wesley said this, I set myself on fire and people come from miles to watch me burn. Wow. Are we the church that might set itself on fire? I know a lot of you and you've got a fire burning inside of you. For God, you love Him. Is it time to allow Him to breathe on it so it turns into a wildfire? So that others can come and say, wow, what an amazing fire. I think it is. Are we the ones He's talking about? Or is it our generations that come after us? because we set them up for it. You know, um, last Saturday, I went to a funeral of one of my uncles, Uncle Ardenborough. Many of you might've heard of Ardenborough. Great man of God. And now he's rejoicing in his celebration with his Saviour. And I heard the story about how he found something significant in his life. You see, he grew up in church. In fact, when he was about 11 years old, he was serving in kids ministry in Dubbo. And um, he used to drive from Gilgandra every day to Dubbo, serving, serving. But then he heard about something happening on the other side of town. He said, I've got to go, there's something inside of me. So he, he dropped his girlfriend off, who he later married, Aunty Pat. He said, I've got to go. He goes to this, I think it was a tent crusade on the other side of Dubbo. And, and there's his brothers and cousins there. What are you guys doing here? And one of these brothers, Jack, just comes up to him with a big smile and says, Arch, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. See, what had happened is this preacher came into town with this fire. He said, you've got to receive this fire. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he laid hands on this good little church boy, changed his life. He was about 20 at that stage. Here he is, I'm talking about an 86-year-old who never let the fire go out. I remember talking to my grandfather about him once many years ago. My grandfather said, what a waste going into the ministry when he's such a talented guy. <laughs> Never said that about me. Because Uncle Arden was a genius at engineering stuff. He used to make things from scratch and build things out of it and whatever. He was just a genius. The way he thought, oh, it's incredible. He was a genius, but yet, he didn't spend his life in that because God had not called him to do that. He spent his life sharing a gospel with the power of God for the rest of his life. What would cause a guy to do that? 
the encounter with the living God. It wasn't religious to him. Friend, if it's religion to you, you're going to fall away. How's your encounter with the living God going? He wants to burn in you something powerful. The beauties of holiness sent out from Zion. Willing. God, whatever you want now, I'm ready. Amen. So I'd like you to take your communion in your hand. I've got myself a little espresso here. I hope you don't mind that. And I want to just take a moment to think about this supernatural God that we have. The Father in heaven, but on His right hand is Jesus. The Saviour of the world who did everything that's required to make us eligible for His kingdom. He made us eligible. No more shame. No more sin. It has no power over us. The robe of righteousness, the the cloak of holiness is placed over you because of what Jesus did. And that's what we're going to celebrate. But I want us to remember a little bit more than just that. You are empowered because the Holy Spirit came as well and empowered you. He empowered you with a message and He empowered you with gifts. Those powers are in your being. They're in your your possession. But I want you to remember something else as we do this as well. There is a dark world that we live in full of beautiful people who don't know about that holiness. They're broken. There's a lot of brokenness. And someone does reach them. Someone brings light into that world. Is it us? I feel like that's the word of our church right now. Strong Nation Church, will you take the lead? You understand the leaders are the ones who do it hard. They're the ones who have to get the breakthrough. Everyone, the generations behind them may follow them. They won't do it as hard. That's okay. But someone's got to start this. And it's not as if we just run a program about how to reach the world. No, that's not how it works. How it works is that every person, this this new church, but also this new me, that's for us. So I want to take into account Psalm 110 verses 1 to 3 as we take this communion. The beauties of holiness, it's all over us. Empowered church is sent out from Zion. And we are willing. Can we all stand at home if you'd like to get your elements? I want to pray over you too as we take this together. Father, thank you. Love you so much. And we thank you for salvation, holiness that doesn't cost us, it costs you. Thank you. That you would wrap that robe around us and it's beautiful. And because of it, we glisten like you. We are vibrant and youthful because of it. We're not condemned and wasted. Thank you for that. And Lord, thank you for trusting us to send us out. What I pray most, Lord, today is this, as we take this, that you would fan into flame the spark that lives inside of every believer. And Lord, you would help us to burn. Burn with vision. Burn with your agenda. Burn with your power, Lord God, to take it to a generation of people. Speak life. Share. Show the gospel every person we come in contact with. Now, Lord, we take this bread, we take this cup in honour of you in the name of Jesus. Let's take them both together. Now, Lord, I lift up Strong Nation Church to you.
Hawkesbury, Penrith Mountains, Cambodia. I believe Your hand is on us and I thank You for that, Lord. And Lord, like Wesley prayed, Lord, Lord, we'll set ourselves on fire for You. We just need You to blow with Your breath to fan it into incredible flames. We're willing, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that You would, even now, the true Word of Inspire, with Your Spirit, ignite every person who hears my voice. Lord, You would begin to make pathways for them, Lord God, that they would see what You would have them do as a kingdom's priest to a lost and hurting, dying world. We love You and give You glory. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Well, I believe that's a prophetic word. I hope you received it. At home, I pray you receive that too. In 2022, I believe the Lord's going to activate some amazing things in our lives. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you this. We're entering into a time where Australia pretty well slumbers from, Genu- uh, from December 24th to December, through through December, January. So December 24th, pretty well to January 26th, Australia pretty well slumbers. But we're really good at connecting with people. And as of the 15th this week, we're allowed to connect with everybody. Is that right? We're holding our breath. But um, why don't we, the church, within our own lives, connect with as many people as we can? Have some barbecues. Get to know people. And maybe that flame that's in you may just get caught into them. So I'm going to ask you to do your assignment from your pastor. Go and party hard. Is that cool? Let's be a church in action every day. Amen. God bless you. Have one of the most incredible days you could ever have. Amen.